bonjour and salam alaikum. Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the first live podcast about no BS leadership. So if you like us, tell your friends and colleagues to go over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and to give us a five-star review because, listen, the stories we share on this podcast, they are worth it. Don't you think so? I hope you do. So let's talk about entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship sounds glamorous, and it can be a vital way for women to escape toxic professional and personal environment while building financial security, financial freedom. But it can also be intimidating, especially when all you know is the stability of a full-time job. So of course, you know, you question yourself, should you take the risk? Shouldn't you do it? It can be scary to take a leap of faith and pour your all into your passion, especially knowing that it may not work out in your favor. But the good news is that it is doable. So today I'm hosting a special episode with some of the founding members of IWB Immigrant Women in Business. And this woman will share the blueprint to what has allowed them to become the leaders they were meant to be. Hello, ladies. How are you doing? Wonderful. It's a pleasure. Hi, Doreen. Hi. My first question to you, ladies, is as a woman entrepreneur, have you ever encountered moments of doubt or societal pressure that made you question whether economic freedom was worth pursuing? And how did you overcome those challenges in order to stay true to your aspirations and true to yourself, we are all immigrants to Canada. And so many of us, you know, came to this beautiful country with our culture. And so while, you know, many family members sometimes can be, uh, or oftentimes I want to say, and I should say, can be supportive. Sometimes, you know, they can be the ones pushing us to doubt and to question ourselves. Either we are doing the right thing into pursuing financial freedom. So Magda, what's your experience on this one? Well, I grew up in a Colombian household, so uh, I still have the voice of my mother in the back of my head saying, just get a good job, don't make any ripples, and just stay there until you are pensioned and you get your pension, and then you should be so lucky. And there was always something inside of me that it just that didn't sit well with me, right? I kept seeing all these people doing fantastic, wonderful things. And I just always felt like there had to be more than this. And so that got me basically into going from jumping from one job to another, right? One industry to another. I was always a risk taker in that aspect. Um, but eventually, eventually I had to kind of really embrace what it is that my my soul really was asking me to do, which was to, you know, go against the grain. And, uh, and yes, when we start a business, especially if it's not a brick and mortar type, type of thing, right, especially when it's something virtual or something a bit more innovative, um, it's very scary because it breaks the paradigms that we have been accustomed to taught, you know, that th that was the way and especially as women and especially as women, either of, of color or minority. Um, it's even harder, right? Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> That's yeah. kind of like, who, why do you think you can do this? Right. And mm -hmm. so um, I don't know if it's the Latin blood in me or whatever, but you just have to dare me to do something and I'm going to do it three times bigger, four times yes. bigger than that. <laughs> and, um, and the beautiful thing is that when you have community like this, like wonderful women that, that know the magic 
they have inside of them and that they're food for more. Uh, it, it absolutely gives you kind of that momentum and that that energy to push forward. So, so yeah, I, I completely can identify with everyone telling me, what are you doing? And then eventually life kind of slapping me <laughs> and saying, listen, it's time you either do this or you die, you know, happily and satisfactorily, because it's not like having a nine to five. There's nothing wrong with having mm -hmm. A stable job and a career in that, um, but it's not for everyone, and it's and it's understanding when your calling is for. Let's try something new, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mercy, what's your experience with that? Well, I can so relate to Magda there. Uh, I I think for me, uh, I grew up as the youngest in a family of seven, right? So I was so dependent on my much older siblings to, you know, to think for me, to speak for me. And I never really cared to, you know, to find my own voice. So I just depended on them for life. When I immigrated to Canada, though, I found myself having to, to really take on the lead on, on my own and looking and feeling different. Really, there was a lot of insecurity struggling to fit in. Um, so I had a lot of self-doubt, you know, I did not understand my value. I just wanted to, to stay small and, you know, avoid the radar, just kind of stay under the radar, so to speak. But parallel to that part of me that felt insecure, was not sure of itself, just did not want to be seen or be heard. There was another part of me that felt so strong, so ambitious, so driven and wanted to make a change and an impact. So I found myself... Um, having this conflict within me, right? I, I have this passion, but I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be heard. It, it brought a lot of anxiety in me and, and self-doubt and self-critical. And that was very discouraging. Um, so there was a tag of war going through me. So anyway, I, I went into school uh, social work. Mm -hmm. I, I bumped into that by mere chance, really. Um, and oh my God, it just labeled everything that I was going through. It gave me a language, it empowered me, it gave me a sense of purpose. So I, I started working you know, with women uh, dealing with domestic violence. I worked people with people struggling with homelessness, people dealing with major illnesses such as stroke and, and, and cancer. I really enjoyed it. But throughout that, I realized that there was something we're not directly addressing is the mental health piece and how that was so important uh, to address. So I decided to go and um, do my master's degree in, in clinical social work, specializing in, in mental health and trauma. And that really um, reignited my purpose, right? Mm -hmm. I had dealt myself with a lot of grief, losing three of my siblings and losing a child at birth. And, and I knew what it meant to wake up and not want to face the day. Um, so through my work, as I was working and addressing deeper mental health challenges, I was actually healing myself in the process. Yeah. And along the journey, I was um, privileged enough to, to be mentored by some of the best people in the field, right? Uh, it took breaking away sometimes from my normal group and... Um, taking the risk to meet with people that I normally don't socialize with, uh, meeting with people who, who I aspire, who do things that I, I look up to. Uh, and that really helped me to break out of this shell. And that gave me confidence. And, I, and actually I had to reach out to a therapist, even though I was a therapist at that point, I had to reach out to a therapist because these negative voices in my head that were telling mm -hmm. me 
now if you have nothing important to say who do you think you are no one will believe you how dare you even think you could open a business that was so loud that i had to seek a therapist who helped me really work through that to kind of dig deep and say where is this coming through from and how can you work through that and as i was as i did that work i started um my own private practice just as a side thing on on, on this side but I was having success despite the negative voices in my head. I was having a lot of success. My clients were referring each other, their family members, their friends. I'm like, huh, what's going on here? Something must be wrong with my thinking. Hearing from, from your story, Mercy and Magda's story, sometimes, you know, we talk a lot about the environment and how you were raised and who you surround yourself with, which, you know, it does have an impact, right? But oftentimes we are our biggest obstacles, right? Because those voices in our head, we are the one either creating those voices or amplifying those voices, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that, that's very interesting to see how a uh, woman, we are able, you know, to even put more pressure on ourselves when actually we know, you know, <laughs> this is enough challenging like that. We don't need more more stress. Uh, Garcia, Garcia, I, I love your story. It's, it's very inspiring. Uh, like all the stories on, on this show, but yours really touched my heart. You came to Canada as an immigrant, like all of us. You used to pick strawberries for a living. And after we realized that no one would hire you without experience, uh, you decided to focus on, on payroll and to develop your expertise on payroll. But what I like also about your story is that you decided to focus on learning payroll because you wanted to have a better understanding of the money you were making, you know, the payroll that you were receiving. Now, <laughs> a couple of years later, how long have you been in Canada? I have been in Canada for over 30 years. Okay, so now you have built a beautiful life, built a beautiful family. You are well established in Canada and you work full time and have your own payroll and accounting company. And I think like we are full circle, right? So when it comes to achieving um, economic and financial freedom, there is often a sense of responsibility to give back. I did it. I succeeded. Now, how can I give back? And so I would like to ask you, Garcia, how have you uh, utilized your own success to support other women, other people in their pursuit of, of success and create opportunities for economic empowerment? That's a great question. You know, coming here as an immigrant and picking strawberries, I have to tell you, it's not fun. Uh, when you have to go down on your knees and then when you try to apply for a job in the industry and you're told you don't have enough experience, you know, it puts a lot of self-doubt in my mind. And when I chose to focus on payroll, I wanted to become that master. I wanted to understand every parts of it, not just understanding, you know, your pay stub and how it works and the taxes. I wanted to be the best. Like, so there's every situation that is thrown at me. I wanted to figure that out. So when I see immigrants come into the country, for example, and they want to do payroll, they have absolutely no experience. It breaks my heart to tell them that, you know, you have to have some experience to be able to do payroll. So one thing I created is opening up a clinic. It's a free 
It's a tax clinic that prepares free tax returns for immigrants and Canadians or if you've been incarcerated. And I've allowed people to come into the clinic and get that experience. So if you're just trying to branch out into accounting or you're just trying to do payroll, I've allowed you to come in and get some experience, volunteer for a bit. And so that way you can use that experience. So for me, it means a lot in giving back that way because these things don't happen anymore. And when I started in Canada, I didn't have these opportunities. So for me, it, it gives my heart so much joy to be able to give back. And I'm also setting an example for my children. I want my children to understand that you don't pass someone on the street, see that they there's an opportunity to help them and ignore it. I want to spread that. I want to just empower women. I want to empower people to know that there's so many opportunities, but you know, if we come together and help each other, it will benefit in the long run. So it gives my heart great pleasure. And a, a question, um, why have you decided to keep a full-time job and to have a, a, a side business? Is that because you like it this way? You love it this way? Listen, you have found your balance and you love it this way. Is that because you are still waiting for the right moment to transition full-time as an entrepreneur? What's the situation there? Yes, that's a very good one. Um, so I chose to do that because I have an obligation to help someone um, fulfilling the full-time employment. But I also want to have my business where I'm not in a rush. I'm not trying to be at the top and I'm not trying to be bigger than anyone else. I, I'm just going to be different. So having a full-time job, it's a passion. It's something I love. So if someone comes and says, I need you to do this for me, but I want you to do it full time. I'm not going to say no, because I will do everything in my power to make sure that I'm helping. And I'm, and it's a different, it's a different concept from what I'm doing in my business because it's still payroll, but it's more project work. So it's different from what I do in my daily business. So for me, that's an obligation to help someone, but having my full, my full-time business as well, I'm also giving other people opportunities by coaching them and helping them to be successful to be able to run my business mm -hmm. when i hear the stories of other women when i read women's stories this is when i realize damn we are so strong we are so powerful and sometimes i feel like we don't even realize it and by not realizing how powerful we are because of everything that we have been through and we are going through it's like doing us a disservice you see what i mean so tara let's pause and and talk about your story a, a, a little bit because you are a full-time uh, rvp in a tech company working in a male-dominated environment but you also have your company where you focus on uh, female empowerment so you started working in your business, so in addition to your full-time job, because you believe that women can diversify their lives and they don't have to box themselves into one persona, which is what we love. Your driving force working in a male-dominated environment, seeing very few women, even though there are more and more women, we know that when it comes to leadership roles, there is fewer women and sometimes when we get into a leadership role within a male-dominated environment, we have a tendency 
a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of us, we have a tendency to erase our feminine side and to behave like those men because we do believe <laughs> this is the way we should be leading. And I'm sure there is a lot that you can you can tell about it. I've worked in tech for uh, almost 20 years. Uh, yeah. I've been in tech for a long time and currently I'm a regional vice president. So you've touched on a few things that might be relevant for the audience, but first, why, if you're having success in a career and you love what you do, would you want a side business? First of all, I, I do not accept the word side business because if we are creating a business and a business of passion, it cannot be anything on the side. And this is one of the main things that prevent people from stepping into businesses or opportunities to mm -hmm. serve when they're in a corporate career because they have to view it as a side thing. And when I talk about diversification of the portfolio, what I mean by that is I have a full-time career that I adore and I love. And there are ups and downs like everything in life, but that teaches me about equanimity and it keeps me balanced. But in addition to the career I love, there's a lot more of me to give. So that's why I started my business. I wanted to take everything that I've learned and has been successful in my career and enable others to leverage it. And if we're going to talk about diversity in the workplace and we're going to talk about diversity of women at the table and other cultures at the table, we also should be able to have that diversity within ourselves and understand that we're complex beings. So on one side of me, I might love the work I do as an RVP, but on another side, I'm called to serve. And when I'm called to serve, that's where my business comes in. I can take what I've learned and give it back to those who want to create a professional career, whether it's as an entrepreneur or in, in, their, in, in a business like myself, but also to understand how those things are woven throughout your entirety of your life, because we are always put into boxes. And if we can learn how to step outside of that box and step into expansion, then we can create the life we really want. And that doesn't matter if we're a caretaker, if we are a RVP, or if we're leading and managing our household. All of these are extremely important roles. And we have to, as women, understand that we can be all of it. We don't have to split or departmentalize ourselves. And the final thought there is when you talk about burnout, where the burnout comes in is where we step into these roles inauthentically. And when we show up as leaders, we are exhibiting things we've been taught, which generally comes from a different gender or genre than ourselves. And we're trying to emulate that back. Mm -hmm. And this is particularly important for immigrant women in business, because not only are they dealing with being a woman, but that being an immigrant, they feel as they are the minority. So they want to emulate what the majority is doing. And that's constantly taxing on the nervous system that puts their fight or flight into to play. And they are living in authentic so it really is what brings them into this burnout mode and sucks the life out of them in as opposed to having their cup overflow and having a lot to give. Yeah, and, and, and that's very interesting, actually, what you're saying. A, a follow up question I have for you is we know that we can do it all. 
maybe not at the same times, depending on what success is to you, right? What's your own definition of success? When it comes to either growing a successful career, which is which is your, your case already, and having a, a business, or so I'm not going to use the term side business because I agree with you. Uh, like, it's not something that we do on the side. We don't have to make a choice. We can do both as long as it fulfills us. But one of the key to success on both sides uh, corporate and entrepreneurship requires a strong network of support. And sometimes I feel this is where a lot of women and especially immigrant women struggle with, right? Because we are so used to do things by ourselves. We are smart. We are competent. We can do it that we forget sometimes that, you know, spending time and energy into building a support system is also the key in order to be successful without having to exhausting um, ourselves over it. Can you share with us examples of how you have used mentorship, collaboration, network, to foster your own success and economic growth. Absolutely. So I think the first and most important thing is to understand that we have to value ourselves as what we bring to the table. We all have our gifts. So once we acknowledge our gifts, we then feel that we can share them. And when we share them, that is what entices others to share their own. And in that, that's where networking becomes so important. So being part of the IWB, the reason I chose to do that was, again, to take the success that I've seen, but also the struggles I've seen um, as being a woman from a diverse background, uh, a mixed background, being a female in the tech industry, one of five and the only girl in my demolition-based family, all of those things taught me lessons that I wanted to share. And the IWB platform gives us that networking opportunity to share and provide guidance to other women. And as much as we give, we are receiving because it is this reciprocal energy that goes back and forth that enables us to lift one, one another up when we're having difficult times. We all go through ebbs and flow in life. Nothing is ever perfect. Perfect is an illusion. So to be able to hold space for women and to be able to make women who feel less than because they're not the majority understand that all of us have those feelings of inadequacy. It's bringing it to consciousness. It's being able to work through it and provide space for others to work through it. That ultimately is going to be what helps empower us and change the world. It can be that simple, right? It can really? be that simple. <laughs> but sometimes we like to overcomplicate things. Thank you, Tara. Magda, I'm getting back to you. You were a full-time employee, uh, employee who suffered corporate burnout as well uh, during the pandemic. You became horribly ill with panic attacks and debilitating migraines. And I'm sure for many of you watching and listening to us, uh, you, you, you will relate, right? Many, many people, many of us went through a lot during the pandemic. And so you took that leave of absence, actually, and, and it was challenging for you. Uh, but, but that was also an opportunity to reignite your passion and where it becomes interesting and we can say i can say you are a warrior <laughs> you were educated as a psychotherapist first right this is yes. how you started your career and unfortunately you were assaulted and so you decided to lay, leave your practice uh, while you know you needed time to heal but that led to even more trauma you went through two divorces 
gaslighting and fertility, etc. Until this last breakdown, so the burnout due to the COVID-19, um, that allowed you finally to give you the grace to come full circle with your experiences and wisdom to become a life coach. It makes me think of Garcia's stories when, you know, we go through so much struggle in our life, but there is one point in time at a moment in our life where we come to realize that, oh, okay, this is who I was meant to be. This is my calling. Everything that has been true has helped me to empower myself in a way that can empower others. So tell us a little bit more about your process. Did you have like a light bulb, aha moment, and this is it, now I get it? Or was it a progressive uh, process when you came to realize, okay, this is my calling, this is my purpose? Uh, I'm a very stubborn woman. <laughs> and so <laughs> life uh, afforded me beautiful opportunities to grow awareness in my life. So every time something uh, big would happen, whether it was my parents divorcing, whether it was the assault, um, I also suffered from bulimia for over 20 years. There, there was a lot of self-hatred that was happening in my life. And I'm an ever student, so I was always learning. And once I got out of psycho uh, my psychotherapy practice, I got a bit frustrated with my psychotherapy because I felt that um, the way that we had been taught uh, lacked a certain amount of holistic type of elements because we are human beings, right? And so um, I am much more than what's going on in my head. And uh, we are very, there's a lot of studies now about how much the mind-body connection is so important to be able to consider uh, in order to be able to um, to really um, address everything that's happening in your life. But for me, um, I had moments of awareness. And then, <laughs> to be honest with you, um, that burnout that I had was my body absolutely breaking down. The first time I had a panic attack um, was just like in the spring of 2020. And I thought actually I was having a stroke is what was happening. Um, my whole left side of my face went numb. My left arm, everything went numb. And uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should call the ambulance. At that time, I remember everyone here was saying, don't go to the hospital because you might get COVID and die. I mean, there was so much fear mongering happening that I didn't really know what to do. Um, anyways, obviously I didn't die, thankfully, but it got me, uh, it just got progressively worse. The if I, I got diagnosed with migraines, but um, what was go happening underneath and what Tara was talking about is, is kind of that somatic type of, you keep resisting who you really are and you are going to find yourself in front of a brick wall and I'm thankful that finally my body was able to give me the message that I needed. So it wasn't so much as of an aha moment as a, like, you're going to stop or you're going to die. Those were my choices. And, um, and I, have, I have a love of life. I want so much to experience so many things. And service has always been in me. It's something that I want to share and every time I had either when I was raped or assaulted or whatever it is that was happening, I always felt like there's got to be something, there's got to be a blessing somewhere in here. And like many of these women have talked about, when we are in struggle, um, when you're in the struggle, when, when I was in the middle of my panic attacks, uh, I absolutely did not feel like there was a purpose to them. 
However, when I allowed them to flow and I allowed the information to come from the moment, I realized that there was wisdom within it. And speaking about, you know, understanding what your resources are around you, understanding and intentionally building community around you, I can say for one, Tara was monumental for me. She helped me along in those years, those last three, four years that were very difficult in my life. And it's like a mentor like herself or a coach or a neighbor down the street. You have no idea how these conversations, how sharing a moment with someone can really open my mind. And as women, yes, we, and I think you alluded to this, Doreen, we think we have to do it by ourselves. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to, you know, I should be able to handle this. There's an embarrassment also that for some reason happens inside of us yeah. that, you know, I can't be broken. <laughs> you know, I got bills to pay. I got, you know, I couldn't take a leave of absence. It took me almost a year after my doctor kept begging me, literally, Magda, you've got to take a leave of absence or you're, this is going to get much more serious. And I resisted it because, Without my job, then who am I? Without my management position, then who am I? Without being able to bring, you know, I was the major breadwinner in my home, who am I? And, um, and when I took the leave of absence, I actually got worse <laughs> before I got better because it took me close to about a year and a half to finally unclench and begin to give myself the, the, the freedom to see the possibilities. And that's where the love again came back. And I thought, wow, this is it. Like, this is why I've been struggling is because maybe it's not psychotherapy, but it's something related to this. I need to be in contact with people, with women specifically, who are moving through this beautiful kind of chrysalis phase of reinventing themselves, allowing themselves the permission, like Tara says, to expand. She talks a lot mm -hmm. about this too. Like allowing yourself to move beyond the paradigms and the box that we have been placed in because that's what's getting us sick. That's what makes us miserable. That's what stagnates us, right? And so now I can say, yes, I've had an aha moment, <laughs> but it didn't feel like that as I was going through it. And it's, and it's thankful to the resources I had around me and the community that was building around me that I was able to survive it and now thrive through it. As a full-time entrepreneur, Yes. Helping other women yes. go through their own mess <laughs> so they can see the light at the end of the tunnel. This is wonderful. Exactly. Thank you for the great work that you are doing, Magda. No, it's a pleasure. Mercy. So, so I like it because we have two full-time employees with uh, uh, an entrepreneurship with a, with a company. And then we have two full-time entrepreneurs, right, who have taken the leap of faith. So, Mercy, when did you realize that it was time for you to transition? You briefly talked about it earlier, like from your full-time job to becoming a full-time uh, entrepreneur. Why you, you thought that you couldn't keep both? Or, you know, what was the motivation behind jumping into the world of full-time entrepreneurship? Right. I think um, I think I was way ready way before and I was resisting it. Right. Because I, I, I didn't believe that was meant for me. I, I never dreamt that I, I would become a businesswoman, even though from an early life, I knew I, I, I had a drive and a passion to do something impactful. 
But um, as I was working, like I, I worked for great organizations, I really enjoyed it. But I think I was becoming increasing and I felt um, I really enjoyed it and felt equipped. But I was there was this side of me that wanted more autonomy and um, a bigger platform to really shape and influence um, the programs and the services that we we're providing to meet the mental health needs of people. So that that need for that to make a bigger impact and influence is what finally pushed me to, to do that. And also I couldn't balance both, right? I was getting really, really busy in my, in my private practice, but this desire to say, you know what, I think I have, you know, Magda, you're talking about some of the, the shortcomings of our training and things like that. And I was experiencing that as well. And my response to that was, you know what, I think having worked in this area for over 10 years at that time, uh, I think I, I, I've learned what works and what doesn't work. And, and I just needed the, the time and the space and the autonomy to, to, to de develop that. And, and that's, that's what I did. And in that process, really connecting with, uh, with mentors, uh, that has been a key for me partnering with communities, I partner with indigenous communities and, and reimagining what does therapy look like in that context and how can we make it uh, accessible to anyone. Uh, and, and thinking about as a business owner, given what I had been through in terms of my mental health and navigating that as a business person, because as my business took off, my mental health went down. Wow. <laughs> right? I'm like, huh? And, and, and I was really concerned that it was starting to impact how I show up as a business leader. That's why I had to address it, to be honest with myself and address it quickly, head on. So then that inspired me to develop a mental health program specifically for business owners, because I said, well, if I'm going through this, there should be a lot of business owners going through there, through the same thing. But again, we live in a society that glamorizes entrepreneurship, yeah. mm -hmm. overnight success. You know, entrepreneurs is this invincible people who who have this drive that never ceases. And, and, and it is true, we, 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 we have a lot of drive and a lot of passion, but too much of anything, I mean, any strength unchecked can become a weakness, right? So that's why I, I, then it inspired me to develop that program for, for business owners. That's, that's great. And so my last questions uh, is for all of you uh, uh, ladies, as you reflect on your journey, what advice would you give the younger version of yourself, someone who might be hesitant or unsure about pursuing entrepreneurship and economic independence? Who want to start? Tara? I would tell myself that I'm worthy. <clears throat> Just as I am, there's nothing to correct, fix, or modify. And that anything in the world that I want, I deserve as much as anyone else, as long as I'm desiring it from my heart space and not because of external influence. Very true, which requires a, a lot of self-awareness though. And you've got to be willing to do the work, but the work is not, there's a very small delineation I made a, a while back and it was because I was a, a, a fix-it junkie I went to Tony Robbins, I read all the books, I did Landmark, I was constantly, I was walking on fire, jumping out of airplanes, climbing mountains. And it's in the stillness that I realized that it's not about what I'm doing that makes me good enough. And I can't tie my, my power or my worth as a person to my achievements. That has to come first. My cup has to be full 
And no matter what I do, even just sitting here today, my cup has to be full. And everything else I do then is an expression of that fullness instead of a way to feel full. And that was a huge difference for me once I learned that lesson. That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. Uh, Garcia, what would be your, your advice to your younger self? I would tell myself that no matter the pain that you're going to go through, use that pain as a fuel to continue your journey and push through. And just to know that fear is going to get in the way, but you're going to replace fear with faith. Oh, that's a beautiful one. And I want to take a moment also to thank all the people watching us today as Letana, as Letana, of course, is here, who is the founder of Immigrant Women in Business, who is the one and only who put all of us together and, and many more. Mm -hmm. Immigrant Women in Business is a huge organization across Canada. So if you would like to learn more about the organization, please connect with Letana or you can look at the website IWB, Immigrant Women in Business, and you can connect with any one of us. I see Samir also, who is here, Ahmed, uh, Michael. So thank you to all the men who are supporting a woman. It's not one versus the other, one or the other. It's all, all of us all together. So thank you for showing support and for, for being part of uh, our respective journey. So Magda, what would be your advice? The first thing I think would absolutely be stop comparing yourself to everyone and everything else. Comparison is one of the most toxic things. And I think that it's one of the most innate things that we do, right? When we're little children and, you know, we're just interpreting the world, we start looking, well, this is good. This is bad. He got more than I did. And we start, you know, all this competition, very unhealthy competition. And, uh, and I think, uh, you know, for someone... Um, healing from an eating disorder and and all these other different things comparison uh, self-hatred comparison made a big uh, a big um, in negative influence in my life and I think that that really kind of sucked a little bit of my of the of the enjoyment I could have had in all the beautiful things that and opportunities I had and the the kind of the model that I now live by and I and I the first thing I teach any of my clients is life happens for you even the crap that happens, all of it is happening for you. Yes. It's not a failure. It's not an error. It's an opportunity to <clears throat> learn, to shift, to recalibrate, to modify, to accept, to move through. So life happens for you and not to you. You are yeah. not a victim. You are a co-creator of this mastery. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Magda. Mercy, last but not least. <laughs> well, I would tell my younger self that your difference is your strength. Yeah. That's basically, you are worth everything. And life, everything you've been through in your life has prepared you for this great life so that you can be an impactful leader who can help change people's lives. I would tell my younger self to find her purpose you are here for a reason and this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing so go for it you've got something valuable and important to share with the world mm. 
Thank you, ladies. Merci, Magda, Garcia, Tara. Thank you so much for spending today's episode with us. That was a wonderful conversation. I know many will find inspiration in your respective stories, powerful stories, stories of self-love, resilience, and self-discovery. This is a journey. We got to learn to understand it and to embrace it. And I love to say, and I say it often, we are each one of us we are perfectly imperfect. And this is all those things that we perceive as imperfections, actually, that make us unique, different, beautiful, and impactful. So thank you, everyone. You take care, you stay safe, and I will see you next week for another live episode of Stand Out from the Crowd. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.